Hey, this is Jack Rogers. Hello, this is Olivia Valerio. This is Chris Hughes. This is Abby Bennett. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch with Bob Fredette and Tom Hall of Fame Haley. Play ball! The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Here they are, Bob Fredette and Tom Haley. Hey, welcome back to Inside Pitch. It's another beautiful Tuesday in the fall football slash soccer field hockey cross-country season and golf. And we're here today, Tammy Landon, as, as promised, we have delivered. Tammy Landon, a, a multitasker, multifaceted individual, uh, and she's going to share a few things with us today. But first, I want to welcome back Tom Haley, George Nostrin, our uh, engineer with a very, very famous grandfather. Uh, but anyway, Tammy, welcome. It's good to have you here. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's our pleasure. It's our pleasure. Tammy, as you know, uh, is is well versed in many aspects. She is a, a, an adjunct professor. She is a former field hockey coach, a field hockey player, and a co-owner, or the owner now of the gymnasium. Uh, the one of the uh, fine and I think the best um, uh, facility we have for fitness in uh, in Rutland and in uh, a place that I like to go first thing in the morning. So. Um, but we want to talk about different things. But, you know, uh, one of the things I really wanted to ask you, because in, in where we are right now, in uncertain, in uncertain times in the economy, what would make you give up a position? You were a full-time person at Castleton to take on uh, your own business. <laughs> yeah, that, um, that was and is one of the toughest life decisions I've made. No, no doubt about it. My 10-year coaching career at Castleton uh, was fantastic. Uh, I was full-time. I was coaching field hockey and then helped also coach women's lacrosse. Uh, was always and have always been involved in the fitness industry, so I ran the gym at Castleton and the pool at Castleton at times. Um, and uh, the pull and the draw was that I was always part of fitness. I've always taught classes on the side with everything else I've done. So I would be running off of the Castleton turf, uh, running to the gymnasium to teach or instruct a body pump class. Uh, It kept me fit. It actually was a nice change for me to be out of Castleton at that time to still teach at the gym and uh, have my sort of gymnasium family, which is now hashtagged everywhere for us because there's a great group of people at the gymnasium. Um, The staff, the former owner, a person I I have loved for years and continue to. um, So that owner was ready to make that change happen and uh, it really took a few of us coming together to to buy out and continue to run the gymnasium and and make some good changes as we have. And I just ultimately couldn't do both things Mm -hmm. (laughs) Uh, full time, 100% of the time and be able to do them well. So um, I guess the answer is it it was a very, very difficult position to be in, um, but one that has worked out really well. I'm grateful I don't have to travel as much on the weekends recruiting. Uh, I'm grateful I don't have as many bus trips to Maine, although many were fun. (laughs) Um, So it's, uh, it's a little bit better life balance being, you know, six to eight miles away from work every day and, and doing that. And I get to stay still connected with Castleton as an adjunct professor. And, uh, 
It keeps me involved, and I love working with college students still to this day. So uh, I kind of feel like I have the best of both worlds. It sounds as though there are no regrets. There's no second guessing. Was there ever, like early on in in uh, in the process of of, of taking over the, your own business, what, did you ever think uh, maybe this wasn't the right one? I did. I yeah. did. <laughs> There's no doubt. I mean, financially, you know, going from a full-time benefited position to the risk of ownership and, and uh, let alone a gymnasium or a fitness facility ownership, uh, really has its its ups and down months, its ups and down years, and uh, it's really income generated. Um, you know, every month we lose some members and every month we gain some members. So uh, people leave and come for various reasons all through the year, and those are always unknown numbers. So um, the first year or two was was a lot of work, a lot of dedication, and uh, definitely what was I thinking a few moments <laughs> to to have given up that full-time position but then there are the rewards and the benefits of of owning your own business so definitely there there were some <laughs> there were some times there were some sleepless nights there's no doubt about that in this time of year uh, of course you keep your head and feel hockey because you're an official you ever think well we you look over at the sideline I wish I was Still there, pulling the strings. Uh, has that ever happened? Uh, a little bit, a little bit. I do miss the the real player relationships right. that you that you create when you're coaching. Um, I've been to now numerous weddings of the field hockey players and and their uh, the other school people that I coached and know of, and just a sign of aging here that we all go through, I suppose. Um, but to still be included and thought of in their families, and um, I get notes thanking me as a coach to this day, and, and those things are um, are just so cherished, I think, for me, no, no doubt about it. So I, I miss it a little bit. Um, you know the time it's time consuming and it's 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 a lot of life balance to not only high school coach but to have to have the time and the ability and the job that allows people to coach and officiate and be part of sports today is it's it's a challenging and, and at the college level you got yeah. that other layer the recruiting yeah yeah which is year round yep all right all right well uh, before we go off and and, and believe me I, I spent some time researching your record and uh, before we go off on what you know, some some tremendous accomplishments there. I wanted to ask you one more thing because I, I, I know that that these days, I mean, we're we're in a nation that really needs its fitness, and you know, we have a lot of problems with health, and a lot of this has to do with obesity. Um, I wondered if you might talk a little bit about a very cross, very big cross section of people that you get, and it's very non-judgmental there. And I think a lot of people are frightened by going to a gym because what are people going to think of me? Am I going to be body shamed or whatever? But you have a tremendous cross section of people there. I wonder if you might be able to talk about that a little bit. Sure, we we really do. the The premises of the gymnasium, and I think it has been the premises from the former owner onto our ownership and now for sure is that everyone is welcome. Everybody, shape, size, age is welcome, and we will um, hopefully make you feel comfortable. It, it, it is the place to come get in shape. Um, 
a funny saying happens, well, I'm going to start, I'm going to start working out and then I'm going to join the gym (laughs) when I, (laughs) when I feel a little bit better. uh, I I hear that. I'm going to lose a little bit of weight first and then I'm going to come into the gym. So the gym is here for you, no matter where you're starting or restarting. People have to restart several times uh, in their lifetime, typically. Life happens. Um, don't be so hard on yourself. Just get back on and get back going a little bit. Um, every age, every everybody, we, we have teachers and hospital employees and GE employees and, and a lot of corporations that uh, we give discounts to. And um, the, the one group that we don't specialize in is, is kids fitness. And at this point, uh, I would love to, to, to do something like that but we're really out of space. Uh, we're really out of space and time um, to be able to really add that programming. It's needed. It's, mm-hmm. it's needed all the way around. There's some statistics out there from the Center of Disease Control that you know, 75 to almost 80% of Americans do not exercise enough to prevent most diseases. Wow. Um, and that's an alarming number. Uh, I teach the fitness center management course over at Castleton, and I share that the first day of class every year. Um, and it's uh, it is an alarming number. So we need we need any and all activities, and I you know I value still very much what high school sports bring to the table and encouraging athletes. Um, but we really have to make sure there's a lot of opportunity out there for every. Everyone. Wow, 80%. And those numbers haven't budged, huh? Almost 80%. Wow. How much exercise is enough exercise? I mean, really to benefit your heart and your your overall well-being. The the basic guidelines are 30 minutes a day, most days of the week of cardiovascular exercise or cardiorespiratory exercise where we're getting the blood flowing and we're we're sweating and all of our systems in the heart and the lungs are are working. Um, But it's also recommended and very important for everyone, male and female, to do two to three days of strength training or resistance training to um, continue to build strength and bone density and encourage balance. You know, as we age, balance becomes the next factor too. So any movement in general is important, but uh, 30 minutes a day, two to three times a week strength. Um, There's always the benefit of mental health that ties into fitness, so we can incorporate the yoga and um, meditations in the world as still growing fitness and, I think, very important pieces as well. Sometimes you just need that half an hour of your own time to to zone out on the treadmill or the elliptical or participate in a class where you don't have to lead it. You don't have to think. You simply show up and participate and get some activity in. What do you teach when you, the courses you teach at Castleton, uh, I I would think you would be like the person to teach like uh, the business of, do you you have, do you teach a class like that? That course is offered in the spring and it's called Fitness Center Management. So it's, it is pretty perfect with the exercise science background that I do have um, tied in with the athletic coaching piece and um, running now the gym. So I actually, you know, I I try to be as real as possible. I give real life, here's what it's like working with the public. Um, 
anybody and everyone can walk up your stairs for the gymnasium anyway and be interested in membership and you have to be prepared to help and guide them and um you know the business side i i get to share some real costs and and is your facility a place where uh cu interns are placed do they intern yes yes i have had several interns that have done pretty well gaining that experience wanting to own their own fitness facility gives them a good, good idea of, of a little bit more that's involved than, than just opening the door every day. Yeah. So there, yeah. there's, there's, there's a few things we do on a regular basis that I think help us maintain a, a good quality facility. Well, and you spend an awful lot of time there, but you, you do have a really terrific staff there who, who not only train, but they do classes. And quite a few, I was wondering, how many employees do you actually have? Absolutely. We run about from 14 to 17 um, people who we do pay per class or per class and desk time. Uh, and we're open 93 hours a week. So the gym is covered um, all the time for us. I, I'm quite comfortable and I want to make sure somebody is in the gym always ready to be prepared for whatever may or may not happen. So we do have an open and a close and um, a great staff, the best staff around it. Our instructors just energetic. They you know, the the thing I'm most fortunate to have are people who love fitness and they work full-time other places. I mean, this is the extra, but they still are committed to learning choreography and studying music and practicing. And they just bring, you know, bring energy up, up the stairs every day. And, and it's, it's what really makes us, you know, a, a, a good Rutland fitness facility, yeah. I think. Well, exercise creates endorphins, and endorphins make you happy. So, that's the goal. Get out there and start doing. It. <laughs> you know, as somebody who really didn't come to it in a formal sense until I was almost fifty, I can say that obviously that for me it really rescued the quality of my life. I mean, it makes such a big difference just to be active every day. You know, and for me, it's sometimes it's carrying a golf bag or mowing the lawn or something or or being at the gym. But you know, I think there's I think that people kind of get locked into certain things that they want to do and don't really put enough variety into their lives and just to keep things fresh. I mean, I think that's very important to keep things fresh. Yeah. So um, now I don't want to shortchange the the field hockey thing here because I was looking at Tammy's record. I started, how many years did Tammy coach over there? And I thought, wow, it was 10. I didn't realize it was that long, really. Uh, and uh, you took a program which was starting over, basically. It was in its second year when you became the head coach. And in 10 years, uh, compiled a record of uh, averaging more than 10 victories a year, a couple of NAC championships. Uh, six of your last seven years, you had at least 12 victories. Uh, just a, an amazing achievement. But, you know, the thing is, I, know, I wonder how it is that you, you start from pretty much ground zero and build a program. How do you do that? This is the Inside Pitch. The Rutland Herald's local sports podcast. Brought to you by our season sponsor, the Rutland Regional Medical Center. Healthy you, healthy together. Well, the program uh, had been dropped. So, right. so field hockey was, um, was cut out of Castleton for, I don't know the exact number of years. So it was just brought back. The former coach had started 
And when you're starting a college program, I mean, you are in the cafeteria looking for someone with their field hockey, sh- high school field hockey shirt on saying, hey, <laughs> we're going to start, you know, we're going to start a college program. So when I came in, uh, the numbers were really low. And of course, anyone who wanted to play had a spot on the team. And you didn't really have options otherwise right. to have tryouts or or you know, you had what you had, and you did the best to compete. And every year, the goal was to win more games than the year before. And uh, my goal was to immediately start to get the next class in. You, you, you come into what you come into at the college level, and that's what you've got that year. So that record, in a sense, is <laughs> is what it is. You, you, you have what you have, and and that's it. So we had very low numbers. I mean two or three subs at a time and and some kids with very little field hockey experience who really weren't seeking to play college field hockey if they were they were you know looking at programs that were already established right. so um, you know had to had to do a lot of recruiting and a lot of communication and, and that is recruiting so it's phone calls it's traveling it's really reaching out to schools that you do, uh, to the high schools that have good programs and say, hey, we're going to make this happen at Castleton and we're going to keep it and build a strong program here. And then I think what also helps tremendously is, um, you know, doing the extra things for alumni and, and communicating every part of what a program is. So you, so, you know, we started an alumni game and brought back alumni to play the current players. And, um, you know, before you know it, three to four years in, you have more student athletes coming out than you can keep. And, um, you know, unfortunately, everybody just doesn't get to play. But at that level, it's competitive. So when you're when you're at that point as a coach, you get to pick your top players and positions where you need them. And you get to create the team, kind of the dream team that you're you're seeking to be competitive in, in college athletics so it's uh it's recruiting of course you played division one field hockey at springfield college I did and right yes and uh you know parents have a misconception mm-hmm. and I, I i don't know about in field hockey but certainly in all, all all the other sports and they think well every one of them thinks my kid or a lot of them, I shouldn't pay everybody with the same brush, but so many of them think my kid can play D1 and they belittle D3. And the people who know, who are in the inside, know that D3, college athletics, is very good and very competitive, and it is not easy um, to make a team. And I think a lot of people just don't realize the level of uh, Division Three athletics, I agree a hundred percent, and I and I think it it stems also from the divisions of high school athletes. Right, uh, there is a big difference in volume and number of athletes coming out for a team in my hometown of Proctor compared to Rowland High School. Right. Higher division schools are gonna have more students and therefore those coaches, it hits on what I just talked about, those coaches you know, create and pick and choose their, their varsity teams. And it's amazing that our, our small towns still do as well as they do. 
uh, competing, but I think sometimes it's misleading for that student to understand when they're really good in a right. smaller school that they think, oh, I'll just, you know, I'll walk on and I'll play at Castleton. And it's absolutely not happening. Right. It, it's right. very competitive at Division Three, yeah. um, And in terms of scholarships it, at Division One, there aren't many available. Right. So the, the realistic component of a true athletic-only scholarship is uh, is really tough to find and land. You, you were you on the last field hockey team at Proctor, or one I, of the last? I think the sec. I think the second to last. So I graduated in in ninety in eighty nine from high school. Um, I, I think they switched to soccer. They they had one more season of field hockey and then switched. Ninety ninety one. I'm not sure what that date was, but they did. They switched to women's soccer. So Proctor did play competitive field hockey prior to that. Oh, yes, very much so. Remember when there was, like, Wilmington, Arlington, Proctor, West Rutland? Everybody played field hockey. Everybody played field hockey. And and I was thinking the other day, um, all these little schools that drop field hockey, and yet I think the sport is pretty healthy in Vermont on the high school level because the ones that do remain in their larger schools, I think they all have very excited, energetic coaches that are all real field hockey people. I'm thinking of of, of Stacy Edmonds at Otter Valley, Wendy Wanup at Woodstock, Karen Puljasic at Rutland, Barb Maselli uh, down at BBA, and even the one who can't win because she has no middle school program, and 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 no nobody they they come to the Fair Haven, and they get introduced to the stick. Mm-hmm. When they're freshmen, but she has that love, that same love for the game. Uh, Jen Clement, she she loves the game. She's a field hockey purist. So I, I think the game is pretty healthy. I don't think we're going to have see these other schools go the way of the smaller ones that dropped field hockey so long ago. I think the game is in pretty good hands. I would, yeah, I would agree. The schools that are playing. Um, are doing a great job, and those coaches, you know, there's some long-standing coaches in that right. mix there, and they all seem to have. Um, a few of my former Castleton players have helped at Woodstock and at um, uh, Hartford with with Heather Scudder and and different programs. So, when you play the sport, and you do, you do really need to play and know the sport of field hockey to understand the sport of field hockey. Oh yeah, P- people yeah. on the sidelines are. Oh, Oh, <laughs> always, always joking. We, we don't think, know. We don't know what's going on. What's that call? What's that whistle? You walk out there. You think you're, <laughs> you think you're one of two or three officials, and then you find out you got forty more there. <laughs> it, it, it's a tough sport to under to understand because it's very subjective. Some sometimes we call a dangerous ball, um, and other times we don't because no one's around. So there, there is a lot of subjectivity, and I think that drives parents and friends and family absolutely crazy because it looks like we're not calling a consistent sort of game, but there is, there is validity to it. I'm not sure if that's the right word, but there, there is 
processing and decision-making that we're making based on safety. And they've changed the game to help the game flow. The new self-start, I mean, we started it at Castleton. It's been many years now. But it has improved the quality of field hockey, I think, mm. I think hands down. The player can immediately whistle is called for whatever reason, stop the ball and take off. They start dribbling versus standing there waiting for their team to get open, <laughs> swinging and hitting the ball. So um, I think the game's evolved in, in many ways, and that's just one example of it. But it really flows. The whistle happens. You, don't even, you won't even know what it was for, but the players know. Right. And uh, a quick transition happens in the game. So there's a lot more breakaways. There's a lot more scoring uh, typically in the game. And that's what people enjoy. So they've made good decisions, I think, um, helping the game continue to evolve. But I do agree. I think yeah. I think the schools that have field hockey are, are doing a great job. I think our numbers are down. I don't know if that's a topic. Well, not everyone. I mean, I mean Karen Bojastic's numbers were through the roof. Yeah, there's she two. was super happy, huh? Right now, there's two JV programs with full JV squads. Oh, yeah. A lot of the teams are playing small-sided. Of course, we had, we had, Ju- yeah, and we had the Mount Anthony Junior varsity thing games. this year. And, uh, yeah. But Bob and I, Bob and I are very excited. We each have a, a great field hockey game this week. Oh, God, yes. Yeah. I've got Windsor out of Valley. I think and I have Hartford Row. There you go. Yeah. 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 I mean, we're psyched. Yeah. Those are going to be good games. Yeah, yeah they are. Well, you know, <laughs> I, I think that a lot of the, I mean, I, you know, I'll tell you, you know, the, a lot of schools and a lot of sports are experiencing downturns in numbers. Oh, it's not just yeah. field hockey. And right. It's not just field right. hockey, but I think in field hockey, I mean, it's just the, the key to it is, you know, God bless those people who are really enthusiastic and are real field mm-hmm. hockey people. Sometimes it takes one person to drive a program, right? Really, and I think yeah. that can—that's that you would see that in a lot of positions uh, this year. I mean, I think that without a very select group of people, field hockey might really be in trouble. So I'm—I think everybody should be grateful of the, for the people who we have, who are very knowledgeable and very and love the game and really give that and make the the players feel that. Right. I mean, really, it's got to be something. I'm sure you felt mm-hmm. that at Castleton when you were starting out. And you're recruiting all over the place and everything, and you're selling the game. You got to sell the game, really. Yeah. And uh, once you once you get that and you get your foot in the door, just please stick around for a while. You did for ten years and really got the, the program on a fantastic footing. And I think that we just owe a debt of gratitude to a lot of people who are just really enthusiastic and, and had those programs. What did you think of that awful thing that happened in Ohio <laughs> at Kent State? It, Stopping a field hockey game in was a double overtime. I think it was overtime. Overtime, a, a college Division One program being stopped. Unbelievable. Being stopped in overtime, and and people will say, well, why was that? Because the football program had to set off fireworks <laughs> before their game. They needed the field to set off fireworks. So um, that has certainly, you know raised a lot of attention in athletics and yeah. and and come on i mean somebody a, a up game. in maine pointed out yeah it, it's a it's archaic it's hard to believe it could happen in this yeah. day and age but it's not a total loss at least it's got people talking about this again and and uh but it was it was just terrible and kids stay really and, and deservedly so really it, it, it blew up in their face it did. I, th- I think the president took some ownership or the athletic director Boy, a little a, a, a little bit of, of right. regret for yeah. that decision because it, 
that was really a poor decision. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Ultimately, talk about disrespecting a, a whole group of athletes and your coaching staff and, you know, <laughs> stopping a game in overtime. Uh, pretty And on a more positive outrageous. note, what did you think? We thought it was one of the big sports stories of 2018. Castleton's run through the Little East Conference in their first mm-hmm. year. Yeah playing field hockey in, in, in that league, I mean, I think they were picked for 11th in yeah. the preseason poll yeah. and won the regular season title. That was unbelievable. That was so, unbelievable. So that was unbelievable. Um, we knew there were good players uh, coming in, but that is a dynamic coach yep. who, uh, who really uh, did a, a wonderful job. And... Uh, you know, Castleton, I think, was kind of a, a, a stepping stone for her, and she's already oh, moved. Oh, yeah. moved, everybody moved. says the NESCAC jobs are the best Division three jobs yeah. in, the, in the country, well, I think. Well, it's, yeah. it's very top-level field hockey. Right. They, they are competing. The Division three NESCAC's competing at, at a Division one level, if not better than some Division one schools. Right. So those programs are are top-notch, And um, but that was uh, – that was an incredibly fun season to kind of watch on the side. I was out officiating, so I didn't I didn't get to the games, but uh, pretty exciting for. I got to one of them down at Keene State. Yeah. And they won like five to four, and it was an incredible game. Played in the sleet and cold, <laughs> and but it but it, it was something. I mean, yeah, that that we we just thought that that was amazing. I don't know who saw that coming, but yeah. I, I know I didn't. Yeah, for sure. How do you see, I mean, we, we looked at Castlin's amazing uh, um, success over the course of regular seasons. How do we get to that next level where we're, I mean, you know, you, you see Castlin up against a NESCAC team in division in, in the playoffs, and you know it's going to be trouble. Now, how do you get past that? Because you, you said to yourself, it's such a high level in NESCAC. And how does, how does the you know, Castlin get to that next level? How does the Little East get to next, that next level? You know, it, it's tough. Um, to recruit those top-level athletes when those programs are just so f- so full of history and, and, you know, NCAA championships. So until your program breaks through and you win those championships over and over again, you know, it's hard for you to convince that real top-level student-athlete to come and trust your school's program and, and come play for you. So... You have to have some success, I think, and then you have to really build on that success and sell it to student athletes and tell them, you know, choosing Castleton is going to be one of the best decisions you make. Um, but it's it, it's tough when, you know, a Middlebury is saying, well, why wouldn't you come play for the NCAA championship yeah. team um, if, you're, if you're of that quality player? So yeah. I I don't know what the the true answer to that is, or else we would have won ourselves some NCAA <laughs> championships. <laughs> well, you can certainly sell the school for one thing, because since Castleton is just a fantastic school. It is. It's been built up yeah. over the years, and it just really does. It's just a great place to go, you know. So and maybe you could just sell me. Well, you know, you could go here for twenty thousand less than uh, than Middlebury. So, uh, <laughs> but I don't know. Maybe that doesn't do it. Um, okay. <laughs> Any parting thoughts, Tom? Because we're out of time here. No, I just think that um, you know, like I just reiterated what I said. I, I look at the coaches now on the high school level of the teams we cover, and I'm glad you threw in Heather Scudder because she's one of the mm. the real yeah. 
purist, the one you know, and she loves the game, and and uh, I think it's in good hands, and 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 I I think it's you know I think it's solid. Okay, well. Here we are at the end of another Inside Pitch. Uh, we want to thank Tammy Landon for taking time out of her busy day and her 12 jobs <laughs> <laughs> and, and showing up here today. And uh, it's, it's certainly been very enlightening and, and a pleasure always. So we, we appreciate you showing up today. Absolutely. My pleasure. Thank you both. All right. Well, for myself, Tom Haley, George Nostrand, and for Tammy, uh, we want to thank you for joining us for this week's Inside Pitch. Come again and see us next week. And uh, until then, go out and see some games. Hello, this is Jack Healy. Hello, my name is Kate Catman. This is Chris Hughes. This is Jason Behenna. This is Paul Copo. Hi, this is Mike Kinsler, and you're listening to the Inside Pitch with Bob Fredette and Tom Hall of Fame Haley. <laughs> <laughs>